0: Hi, my name is Erin Kinzel, and I think personal growth sucks. But I also can't stop pursuing it, and it's produced some amazing results in my relationships, my career, my emotional and physical health, and basically every other area of my life. So the truth is that I don't always think it sucks, I just don't like the uncomfortable, scary, and awkward parts. On this podcast, I invite you to join me and my friends as we talk about personal growth the hard parts, how we're leaning in despite how awful it can be, what we're learning, and most importantly, how we're moving forward. We'll share the resources and tools that are helping us, and you'll get to listen in as we encourage each other and hopefully encourage you too along the way. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to season two of the Personal Growth Sucks podcast. I'm so excited to have wrapped up season one and be starting season two. I want to start out by just taking a moment to celebrate the fact that I did it. I launched a podcast. I recorded and edited and published episodes every two weeks, and I completed a whole season. And that feels like a really big accomplishment. The judgy part of my brain is saying to me like, yeah, but look at all the things you still haven't done and look at how you've not kept up with social media and your website needs attention. All these other things that um, my vision, like the vision that I have for where I want this to go is running way out ahead of me. And there's all these things that I want to accomplish. And it's really easy to let your vision become real judgy about what you're doing in the here and now. Um, I took a course with John Acuff. He's an author who uh, recently I've really been diving deep into his books and his stuff. Um, I highly recommend his podcast called All It Takes is a Goal. Also his book on, um, uh, I always want to call it overthinking. It's not called overthinking though. It's called Soundtracks. So he has a book called Soundtracks that I highly recommend. He has a book that's coming out in the fall, I think, with his um, teenage daughters. That's a version of Soundtracks for teens, which I think is going to be really good. Anyway, um, something that he said on one of his – no, it wasn't in a podcast. I thought it was in a podcast. I think it was in a course that I took with him. Is He said, don't let your vision set the pace. Because your vision is always going to be way out in front of where your energy is and and way out in front of what you can actually accomplish today. And so my vision right now wants to be real judgy. Like, yeah, you finished season one of the podcast, but so what? You actually have ideas for 10 seasons. <laughs> you have ideas for courses. You have ideas for how you want to coach people and have you know a blog on your website and have all this vibrant content where's all that aaron (laughs) so oh my vision you know it it's really hard because you can't uh, i can't turn that off i need that part i need the vision to be pushing me forward and to making me excited about the future but i can't let it rule the day and so i want to pause here and say that I accomplished what I set out, and that was to to get a podcast out into the world, and so that's what I focused on. You know, there were times when I was really tempted to say, "Oh, I got to put energy into social media or into my website or my blog," and I and I did put energy in those places, um, but when it came down to it, and I just I had to ration my energy or had to prioritize what I could actually do. I prioritized the podcast and I worked really hard to get those episodes out. And so I just want to say all of this to be real about the process that's going on in my own head and the ways that this is about personal growth for me, too. And um, having to lean in, having to do hard things. And sometimes the hard things mean editing your ideas. Um, A lot of times I think that we think of the hard things as like the hustle. We need to hustle. We need to um, push ourselves. And sometimes actually what the hard thing, what the courageous thing is, is to pull back and to say this is enough. This is enough right here. So I just want to pause and point that out. Um, Thank you for sticking with me into season two, if you're listening to this. And um, it's exciting to see the statistics on my podcast. It's not like I have hundreds of listeners, but to, to log on and to see that people have been listening. And then to hear from people in my personal life is really meaningful. It is hard to, with a podcast, you're putting yourself out there. And um, at this exact moment, I'm, I'm literally sitting in a closet in an Airbnb talking into a big, a big black microphone um, and staring at the, like my microphone sitting on shelves They have linens on them. It's really kind of funny. There's a long story to it. But anyway, sitting in this place recording, I imagine that there are people that I'm reaching. I imagine that I'm resonating with certain people. Um, but I don't always know that I'm just kind of putting this stuff out there. And so it's really meaningful to hear back from listeners who are, um, who are being affected and having aha moments as a result of the podcast. So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so here I am, I'm doing a solo episode and I actually think that I might try doing season two, mostly solo without guests on each episode, partially because it is really complicated to schedule interviews with people and find times and and do all the editing on that. Um, and I feel like I've kind of got some of my confidence. I found my legs a little bit with this. And so um, I'm going to do this episode solo, and we will see what happens with the rest of this season. I might bring people on for little snippets of things. I have some ideas of some guests that I would like to include for this season because I think they would really add something to the conversation. Um, But we'll just see with this uh, grand experiment that I still am trying to. um, There's still there's still so much for me to learn about um, myself and podcasting. So this season is all about procrastination. I'm actually calling it curing procrastination. And here's a little secret. I don't know that we can actually cure procrastination, but I think that's the pain point for a lot of people. And if it's not a pain point for you personally, maybe you personally don't feel that you struggle with procrastination, I'll bet there's someone in your life who does. And maybe they drive you crazy because of it. So maybe there's a spouse or a child or a coworker or an employee Someone in your life who is procrastinating and you just are like, why (laughs) Why are you doing this? I don't understand this. Just do the thing. Why can't you just do the thing? Um, Or maybe that's what you're saying to yourself. And the reason that I wanted to focus on this is because it is a really concrete problem in my life that was, um, I don't know if I want to use the word cured, but kind of cured by personal growth. And the way that it was cured was actually by not focusing on procrastination. Isn't that funny? I um, had been through my very first year of the Townsend Leadership Program, which I keep referring to because that is the structure, the growth structure that really helped me see results. And I think that's where um, my personal growth took, took a turn for me. And so when I got through the first year of that, I was looking back through some journal entries and I came across one that was all about procrastination. And actually, it, it was a list of potential topics for a podcast about procrastination because even at that time, I, that's really what I was thinking about doing. I was thinking about having a whole podcast centered on procrastination because it was such an issue for me. But when I found this journal entry, it stopped me dead in my tracks because, um, I felt like I was reading about somebody else and it took me a minute. I, I read through it and I was like, oh, procrastination. Oh yeah. I think this used to be a big thing for me. Oh, like I've not thought about this in a long time. Is this something, this is something that I really struggled with. This is something that I used to think a lot about this is something that I really judge myself for. And it it just was so interesting to come back around to it and realize that I didn't really struggle with it or I hadn't been thinking about it for months. And thinking about, well, how did I fix it? Like, how did I get to that place of it not being a pain point for me, a daily pain point? And I realized that it wasn't in focusing on procrastination. It was in focusing on the other growth areas in my life that I had um, really dealt with a lot of the root issues um, for why I was a procrastinator. So that's one of the things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about why procrastination is not about being more productive. Often, I think that's what we try to do in curing procrastination. We, oh, I just need to be more productive. I just need to be more efficient. I need to figure out how to manage my time better. And uh, that's actually not true. And one of the things is that um, if you have a productivity problem, you cannot cure it by being more productive. I don't know if that makes sense sense. And I'm trying to find a, a way, uh, like in some blog posts I've written and some different things, I've tried to figure out what, how to tease that out a little bit more. I don't know that I have found it perfectly, but um, procrastination is a byproduct of other things related to personal growth. And really at its heart, procrastination is about not doing a task that we think we ought to be doing. And so a lot of it is actually about how we label the fact that we're not doing something and the judgment that we put on it. And so, you know, it's like, oh, there's a basket of laundry sitting on the in the laundry room that's clean and it's been there for a week. Oh, I should have put that away already. I should have done something with that. Why am I procrastinating on it? Versus looking at that basket of laundry and saying, man, it has been a really busy week. I haven't gotten to that yet. And I'm going to choose to not do it again tonight. I'm going to choose not to prioritize this. And so there's a big difference there. Um, in one scenario, really labeling myself and shaming myself, shooting on myself uh, because I'm procrastinating on the laundry. And in the other situation, the other mindset is more of looking at it and going, yeah, it's been a busy week and i don't i don't need to put this laundry away right now i can choose to do something different and i'm going to choose actively to make a different decision about what to do with the laundry and in this one thing that i a concept or a, a metaphor that i'm going to be using throughout this season is talking about being in the courtroom versus being in the laboratory I used to be in the courtroom mentally so much of my life, and what I mean by that is that at any given moment, my brain was playing the part of a variety of courtroom players. So sometimes I was the judge, sometimes I was the prosecutor, sometimes I was the jury, sometimes I was the defender, um, the defendant, is that the way to say it? And so like with the laundry basket example, um, I would see the laundry as being evidence of me being a procrastinator or evidence of me being um, an incompetent wife or mother or adult. I would see it as evidence of I just can't get my life together. Or I would see it, you know, like a prosecutor would would be like, your honor, exhibit A, the basket of laundry. As you can see, Aaron is not fit for being alive. (laughs) Not really. I I don't know that I ever thought that. But there's so many things that go through our minds when we're in that courtroom mindset. That it's like, oh, I can't even get this right. And if I can't get this right, then what says I should be up for that promotion? Or what says I have the right to um, to market myself as a personal growth coach? Like, who's going to come to me if I can't even get my own stuff together? And so there's this whole judge and jury and prosecutor that is parading out this whole list of evidence and everything in my house, everything in my life at any given time was evidence one way or another for whether or not I was guilty of what, I don't know, the the charges changed at any given time. But I almost imagine like this whole big evidence room of boxes and boxes and boxes of evidence that my brain wants to pull out to say, oh yeah, well, and do you remember this other time that you really messed up? Do you remember this other time at work when you um messed up and you didn't pay the bill on time? And then you had to, you know, your your department had to pay extra out of the budget. Or, you know, like any any time that I wanna look back at failures, this can happen like two in the morning when you wake up and your brain just starts to get active. And it's like you go into that evidence room and start pulling out boxes and rifling through the boxes of evidence. And um, and then constantly there's new stuff that pops up. Anything that um, wants to confirm the way that the judge wants to go or the, the jury. Um, John Acuff calls it the pocket jury. You're like a little jury you carry around in your pocket. And all of these things become evidence versus a whole different mindset of being in the laboratory. So when you're in the courtroom, it's all about proving who's right. And it is about um, proving things one way or another. It's about coming to a conviction. You know, you're either guilty or not guilty. Um, And that's a really... hmm, I don't know what word to put to that, but it's a, well, certainly a judgy place to be. And it's a very black and white place to be where some days um, you're either on the side where you're like, whatever, I'm a victim. I can't, um, it's, you know, I'm not responsible for any of this or I don't know, maybe that's not true. Anyway, it's just a, it's just a bad mental place to be. In the laboratory, all of that evidence becomes data, and data is not judgy. Data is not good or bad. Also, I think data is plural. Is data plural? Are data plural? Oh, that's going to drive me crazy. Because I want to say is, <laughs> but I think the proper way to say it is data are not good or bad. It they just are. Um it's just reality. And so in that, you're able to look at data and be curious about it. And instead of saying, oh, well, this means this and that means that, you're able to say, well, what what does it mean? What does this show? What's underneath the surface here? I wonder what would happen if we looked at it this way instead of that way. And in the laboratory, it really allows you to observe Um, For me, it has really allowed me to observe things in my life in a new way and in a way that is not so harsh. And it's a way that you still have to acknowledge negative realities. And so being able to say, yeah, I didn't fold the laundry. Yeah, I didn't pay the bill on time. And having to go, yeah, and there were consequences to that. Um, Maybe not so much with the laundry. Who, like, I don't know. Who cares? Um... There are weeks when my kids are just going to the laundry room and pulling clean clothes out of the laundry basket because the laundry is just not getting put away, um, which I guess is a consequence in and of itself. But there are times when we do have to say, "Oh, my my, not doing this thing did have an effect." But it doesn't have to be so harsh that says, "I am um, a procrastinator. I am guilty." Because in that courtroom mindset, then you have this like label you put on yourself and, and a sentence that you have to live out. Um, you've been convicted of a thing. And so it's, it really becomes this identity issue, which um, Brene Brown and others would, would say that is shame versus guilt. So shame says, I am something wrong. And guilt says, I did something wrong. And I think when I get into that courtroom mentality, often I get into shame. I am wrong. I am guilty. I am convicted of this crime. In the laboratory, it's more of like, oh, here's what happened. Here's what I did. And here is the result of it. And it becomes a little bit more objective without totally denying the reality of what happened. And so the real trick with this is to, is to have a good mix of grace and truth. And another way of putting this is um, I read the book, The Whole Brain Child. I forget who. There were two co-authors on that. I forget their names, but I'll put a link in the show notes. It was a really good book. And one of the things that, um, that they said is that mental health is about uh, if if you imagine floating down a, a river or a creek and um, on the one side are the banks of chaos and on the other side are the banks of rigidity. And mental health is about trying to stay down the middle of the river and not get hung up on the banks of chaos or the banks of rigidity. And it's kind of the same thing of grace and truth. If you think of grace as being chaos and truth as being rigidity, because we often think, oh, if I give myself too much grace or I give someone too much grace, it's going to result in chaos. There's going to be no structure. There's no accountability. There's going to be no change. We can't have that. Um, Truth and rigidity often are the same thing too. We have to be super structured. We have to put processes and procedures in place to make sure that we don't ever do the wrong thing ever again. And uh, it can be really heavy handed. And the actual way forward with that towards growth and towards change is to find a path down the center and finding an integrated view between of grace and truth um, I, I don't know if I would say chaos and rigidity. That doesn't feel like we don't, it, it doesn't fully translate there because we want grace. We want truth. We don't necessarily want chaos and want, ca- and want rigidity. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but the, the point that I'm trying to make is that we have to have an integrated, balanced view between those things. And we don't want to throw away all accountability But we also don't want to be so evidence-based, so judgy that there's no room for growth because that's not actually how growth and change happen. So one thing that happened for me when I got more of a laboratory mindset about procrastination is that I started looking at the roots of why I was procrastinating on something before I was trying to just fix it. Um, and I spent a lot of time on like time management things, reading books, listening to podcasts, all kinds of things about finding productivity hacks, time management hacks, how to be more motivated, how to be more productive, how to, how to just be able to do more, because I thought that that's what curing procrastination would look like. It would be getting all of the things done. If I could just do all of the things, then that would that would prove that I'm not a procrastinator. But actually, that's not feasible. And people who don't struggle with procrastination, they actually don't get all their stuff done either. They prioritize differently. Um, there's, there's a whole – well, we have a whole season to talk about this. And so I just want to say that with that um, – Hearing procrastination, for me, was about having that laboratory mindset and getting curious and saying, well, what is at the root of this? Why am I not doing this thing? Why am I beating myself up about this? What does this say about everything else that's happening in my life right now? And getting curious about, do I really need to do this thing? Like with the laundry, do I really have to do the laundry? What do I think it says about me if I don't do this? What are the lies that I'm believing about what I'm required to do with the laundry? And one, one thing I want to point out here is that it's probably true with procrastination issues. It's probably true that there are some issues related to productivity and not having the skills and resources to manage time and energy strategically or being able to manage tasks strategically. However, if you don't deal with the underlying emotional reasons for procrastination, no amount of productivity hacks or time management tricks are going to actually solve the problem long-term. And you have to get at the internal root issues to really figure out, what's happening and how to quote-unquote fix procrastination. And so in my personal growth journey, I was really surprised to find that a lot of my procrastination issues were related to things like people-pleasing, having anxiety about decision-making, a lack of awareness of my own opinions and emotions, um, an inability to bring definition to, to the circumstances in my life. Um, and, and a whole host of other things. So growing in each of these areas, it really couldn't be about like 10 easy steps, (laughs) reading a blog post, watching a TED talk and going, oh, if I just do these three things, then it's going to fix the people pleasing or it's going to fix, um, my lack of awareness. It actually required me to change my thoughts and behaviors. And that required me to have new ecosystems in my life, a new way of approaching relationships. It required me to have new experiences with other people. It required me to take a chance and not do certain things, even though everything in my brain was like, if you don't do this thing, you're failing, but to try it different and to take a step back and see what happens. And the temptation is to make it about 10 easy steps because that feels more controllable and it feels like well you don't need so much courage to do that 10 easy steps feels more manageable and not quite so scary as it does to confront things that are happening inside and to to have the courage to try things differently even though your brain and your emotions everything in your whole nervous system is screaming at you and saying, "Ah, oh, we can't do it this way." Um, you know, so for example, having to say no to somebody, or having to disappoint someone, um, is that is really scary. That's a really scary thing. If you came into adulthood with a res- a trauma response, um, and and it could be big T trauma or little T trauma. Um, but if this is what you learned in order to be emotionally safe growing up, is that you had to be a people pleaser, then it is so difficult to change that in adulthood. But what I learned was that that was a big reason I struggled with procrastination, and it was easier to label it as procrastination than it was to label it as people pleasing and, and actually deal with it. So in this season of the podcast, we're going to dive into um, we're going to dive into a lot of different topics. We are going to talk about things like anxiety avoidance. We are going to talk about, are there times when procrastination is actually a good thing? Hmm. We will talk about decision-making and boundaries and managing other people's emotions. We are going to talk about the reality that we can't actually do all the things. Some of my procrastination issues came because I had all the ideas about all the things and thought that I had to execute, that like not executing all of my ideas was procrastination. When really it's just being realistic and learning to edit my list. We also are going to make talk about making peace with your actual self instead of trying to be the ideal you. For me, that was was a big part of it thinking that I had to be this ideal version of myself, grieving the loss of the ideal me, and having to live in reality with my actual real self. And along the way, I, I really hope that if you struggle with procrastination, that you're going to get a lot out of this. I also hope that if you have procrastinators in your life, that this will give you a window into what's happening with them, not so you can fix them, because it really does have to be their own journey, but I hope that it will help you understand how to live at peace with them, how to create your own boundaries, and to, um, to stop trying to attack the, the symptoms of the problem, um, and instead being able to just find some acceptance and some strategies. That will help you be able to be at peace with what you need to be at peace with, and then have a boundary where where they get to like they get to manage the things that are really within their boundary to manage. Which that's really hard too. <laughs> Personal growth sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> along with this season of the podcast, I will be posting blogs that uh, that go along with and coordinate with the blog or with the podcast episodes. And um, I'm working on a course around procrastination. I don't really know what that's going to look like. Um, It's kind of scary to put that out there. But I do want to offer a a place to go deeper with this if that's something that you're interested in. And so um, if you would like to learn more about that, I encourage you to go to personalgrowthsucks.com. And sign up to get on my email list because I'll be sending out information about that to my email subscribers um, as that as the plans for that really um, formulate. One of the best ways to um, to really lean into personal growth, whether it's about procrastination or other issues, is to have someone who can walk alongside you in a really structured way. And so I provide one-on-one coaching if you're interested in having me help you along with your journey. Paying for coaching is one of the best things that I have ever done in my life. And I've seen so um, so much fruit come from coaching relationships that um, that's why I'm passionate about it and why I wanted to get into it on my own so that I could help other people. So if you go to personalgrosssex.com, you also can find information about setting up a, an introductory call with me if you're interested in one-on-one coaching. So to close out today's episode, procrastination isn't about being more productive. You can't solve a lack of productivity by trying to create more product productivity it's just not how it works and you really do have to get curious about what are the underlying issues what are the things happening underneath the surface that are leading to a blockage in in getting a task done and sometimes there's an emotional reason sometimes there's a relational reason sometimes it's just is actually a matter of capacity we just cannot do it all and so um, getting curious about like, what is at the root of this can help you then begin to either remove the block to do the thing or understand how you can let go of this um, idea that you have to do this thing. And I really encourage you, not just with procrastination, but with any issue in your life where you uh, are really judgy of yourself. Um, to get into the laboratory instead of being stuck in the courtroom and your mindset affects so much. And so whether it's procrastination or other issues, if you find yourself constantly collecting evidence one way or another in your life and using it to beat yourself up, um, If you have a judge in your head or a pocket jury or a prosecutor who's constantly like, Your Honor, I present to you Exhibit A, the laundry basket. (laughs) You know, and sometimes I imagine um, in my head, you know, these little conversations that are like, You had 10 minutes last night where you could have put the laundry away. Why didn't you do that? And it's sort of like a prosecutor. In, in a courtroom some with someone on the stand being like, you, is it, isn't it true, Miss Kinzel, that you had 10 minutes last night where you could have done the laundry. And, you know, me being on the stand and be like, oh, you're right, I could have done it, you're so right. Uh, which is ridiculous, but these are the kinds of things that we can get caught up in in our, in our mindset and in our, um, just in the way that our brain works. And so I encourage you, the next time you feel yourself doing that, move to the laboratory. You know, you could actually envision yourself getting up off the stand of the courtroom, walking out of the courtroom, walking across the hallway, opening the door into a bright laboratory and picking up a clipboard and looking at that evidence As data what is this data telling me oh man I'm really stressed out about the laundry why is that oh because I think that it means I'm a bad mom but actually I'm not a bad mom for not having folded the laundry because maybe not folding the laundry meant I had a little bit more capacity to pause and have a meaningful conversation with my daughter And so looking at that data objectively can help you pull back and see what's actually happening. And also to see the world's not gonna come to an end if I don't do this one thing. So I hope that encourages you today. I hope it gives you um, new tools for how to frame the things that are happening in your own life around procrastination or around other personal growth issues. Well, friends, that's all for today's episode. I hope it's been helpful and given you practical tools for your own personal growth journey. In two weeks, I'll be back talking about the role that emotions and anxiety play in procrastination. As a reminder, if you need a guide for your own personal growth journey, visit personalgrowthsucks.com to find out more about working with me one on one. I'd love to connect with you for a free coaching session, no strings attached, to give you the experience of a transformational coaching conversation. Email me at erin, E-R-I-N, at personalgrowthsucks.com to set up a call. I know there are many ways you could choose to spend your time today, and it means a lot that you chose to spend it with me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, remember that personal growth sucks, but together we can cultivate the courage to grow. Let's keep leaning in together.